0: Welcome to the Success Fundamentals podcast, where we will be interviewing people who have reached greatness in their respective fields and get an insider's view on what it takes to get to the top. Our aim is to uncover their deepest motivations, beliefs, and methods to achieving success so we can all gain wisdom from their experiences. Please welcome your hosts,
1: Christopher Sykes and Brian Goldsack.
0: Welcome to another episode of Success Fundamentals. I am your co-host, Chris Sykes.
1: And I am Brian Goldsack, and today we are joined by the infamous James
2: Schrader. James, how are you today? I am I'm well. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to, to be here and talk about other people's success. I don't, you, I, I was like, are you sure? I'm going to like, success is such a strong word. But, uh, but thank you guys for having me. I'm down to, to talk it out and yeah. learn things. One hundred
0: percent, Brian. I think I, I don't. Again, we've only been doing this. This is episode five, but we may have made it. We had the face of Doctor Squatch on our show.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, here he is. We go. made it. So it's not just Doctor Squatch. Uh, it's uh, a few different things, James. Tell us. Tell us about some of the things that that you have in your laundry list of successes. Laundry life. list of successes <laughs> or,
2: or luck. I like to call it luck. Um, but yes, yeah, so the face of Dr. Squatch, that's been a couple years going now, and that's really what started the whole thing. I mean, it, it was, um, it was literally an accident. It was, it was a, a, a happenstance that happened. I was, it was a Thursday night and I wasn't even supposed to be on a show, but I, 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 something happened where I got freed up and I just went downtown to one of the comedy clubs. It's really supportive. The Madhouse, it's supportive of comics and they kind of squeezed me onto a show and that night, the the head of the marketing firm, Raindrop uh, Branding, they happened to be there, like, uh, like uh, the, Jacques, the CEO, and uh, Adam, the, the CEO, and a couple other people, and they were there for like a party. And they had a meeting a week later, and they were pitching the Dr. Squatch concept, and somebody thought of me and thought I might be good at that role. And that's literally – and they like stalked me through the internet, found me, we emailed, we – Got the oh, script. Wow. We got together. We worked on it. We finalized the script. We went and shot the thing. And, you know, half a billion views later, we're still going. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So that opened the door. That's what started it. After that, it was I mean, I was writing with Raindrop Two. some. I was like a contractor for them. And that was fun because as a comic, it was cool to like use those skills in a different way. And uh, but we wrote stuff and I got to be a part of like the William Painter ad. I did a bunch of stuff with them for about a year and a half. Uh, The San Diego Symphony, I helped write on and and was part of an ad that uh, actually won an Emmy. That was pretty exciting. And um, and then there were a few other brands that were like local brands here that I was just part of because I was in the mix at Raindrop. So but the two big ones were were really uh, Dr. Squatch, William Painter, the Sunglass Company. And then now I'm actually working with uh, Discount Tire, which is a huge national brand. And that's all it's interesting because that's a very big shift. That's almost all that's all television. Which I was like, all the squat stuff is on the internet. It's all YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, that kind of stuff. And then the large brand said hello, and we started talking, and they were like, we want to try TV. And so that's, we're giving it a shot. And wow. so far, they seem to like it. We make more. So <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> there
1: we go. So I was looking, and are you from California originally? I, I see that. No florida chicago yeah, I, you're
2: bouncing around a bit i grew up in the florida keys um which is like it's so funny because florida gets a bad rap for a lot of stuff that they do and don't deserve but the keys are like this totally different place and i'm like i'm, I'm not from like florida florida i'm from like <laughs> a tropical version so i grew up in the florida keys and uh and what an interesting place to kind of grow up just uh and it's, it's, I don't know, it's a it's a tourist destination, so it's all tourism, and it, you're surrounded by the ocean and coral reefs. And, like, it was definitely now looking back, it was a very, str- I don't know, if strange is the right word, but special way to grow up. Like, I was scuba diving at six years old. My dad taught me to uh, scuba dive at the ocean. That's amazing. Like, catching lobster around, around the same time, snorkeling down, catching lobster at, you know, six, seven years old, things like that, where I didn't realize until much later, I was like, everybody doesn't do this? <laughs> like, this isn't normal <laughs> <laughs> so uh, kind of just like a different place to grow up and then went to college in Orlando. And my favorite part, college was a weird time, but my favorite part about I never felt like I was doing anything there. Like, I didn't know why I was I was there because I was the expectation. I wasn't like very studious. I wasn't I never. It's not that I didn't like school, but I always like <clears throat> if I had a good teacher, I did well. And if I don't feel like I had a good teacher, if like, I, I remember just sitting there being like, I could teach this better. Like, and I think that's just the performer in me being like, come on, like, if you don't care, why do why would I care? Like, why yeah. I'll get a C, like, I'll get through this, but like, you don't seem to care. So it was like college was that same kind of thing of like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. And, uh, and, but that's when I did stand up for the first time. And that definitely it, it hooked me, but it also terrified me. I did it. I did it for the first time my junior year of college, and I didn't do it for 10 more years because it went well. It actually went well and it terrified me.
1: And I was Whoa. like, I don't
2: know how I'm going to ever top that. Like that was that was 10 minutes of laughs. And I just didn't. It, it, it was it's strange, but I, I guess it's happened to a few people I've heard in different podcasts and other comics where like it went well and it was almost too much. Because most stories are like, oh, I went up and it was crickets for three minutes. And then I went back the next night and I got one laugh. And, and mine was the opposite. Mine was like, it was fun. It was good. And people laughed and it terrified me. And I didn't go back. Because, <clears throat> you know. I can understand.
0: So, it's, it's funny you say that. I, I'm not, I want to take a jab at Florida, but not Florida, the state. I know you went to UCF. UCF, I, yeah. I went to East Carolina university. Mm-hmm. So we saw you all twice a year. Yep. Um, yeah. So that, that and you all have a beautiful, UCS has a beautiful campus.
2: Gorgeous. I mean, yeah, it's huge. It's like it's Disney but for college.
0: <laughs> yeah. 100%. So James, I have a question for you. So you said you, you did what, what started you on this route, this, this comedy route, because you said, you know, you tried it when you were in college and then you didn't do it again for, for 10 years. Yeah, ten years. So
2: I was in college. I was having a rough time. And the only reason why I tried it is I was I was suffering from a little depression. I was I I was in college because that's what you're supposed to do, but I had no direction. I had no goals. I didn't I was just there because that's what your parents are expecting and the Florida prepaid thing's there. Like I was the fortunate kid. I had it was all covered. I just had to go and I didn't I didn't know I, I didn't know what to do with that. And I, actually, I dropped out my third year. I wouldn't call it my junior year. There weren't technically enough credits, but I dropped out my third year and I started working with an uncle just because I had no real direction there. And I started working with my uncle in the underground construction company. And that turned into a 10 year career in Tampa where we were, I mean, we grew 300% over those 10 years and business got really good. And I went from being a guy in the field you know, cleaning pipe, inspecting, you know, manholes and repairing things, learning kind of the technical side of it. Then I moved into the office because I, I just had the knowledge of the computers and and basic, I don't know, basic business. And it was kind of a, it was a strange time where I was living the dream. I had this beautiful little life. I was married. Uh, I had two stepdaughters. I, you know, had literally like a little house and, um, You know, I had had a a nice little truck and and we had this beautiful little life. And I also hated what I did. Like I was there because I had nowhere else to go. So I I went and then I never left because it was just kind of always good enough. And it provided for a little life. And then I realized one day I was sitting at a desk that I hate sitting at 10 hours a day. And I realized, like, I don't like any like any of this. Like it's providing for this nice life. But is that worth the 10 hours a day of misery that I'm not enjoying and I'm not challenged I'm not like I don't I'm not getting anything out of what I'm doing and Mm. I started getting into some improv and some in writing and I realized a lot of what I was writing was stand-up and at the time my my wife and I came to the decision to get a divorce it wasn't it wasn't easy but it wasn't ugly it was it was like a very amicable like we just I mean at the end we literally hugged each other and wish each other the best and like, we're still close and we, we communicate pretty regularly. And, and that all of a sudden I was 30 years old. I wasn't married anymore. Right. Leading up to that, I decided that I wanted to get out of the construction thing. I, I wasn't even sure what I was going to do next. I had a couple ideas. One of them was like a banner towing company. I was like, cause I'm a pilot. I was like, Oh, I'll find, I'll buy an airplane. I'll buy an old airplane, hook up some banners and I'll just start from there. And, and that's an industry. And I was kind of looking into that. And then my wife and I decided to split and all of a sudden I was out of the construction industry. I wasn't married. I was 30 years old and I didn't, it was the first time in my life where I felt like I didn't owe anybody anything. There was no expectation at that point. Mm. Like when you graduate high school, there's some expectation. You're either going to go to college, or you're going to get a job, you're going to do something, you know, and I had that and I went to college and that was probably a mistake. If I look at the money we spent, for me to be in this place that I was just kind of like, I guess this is what you're supposed to do. I don't know. Everyone else here seems <laughs> like this is the thing to do, but I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And so that, that was a big moment of like, what do you, it was the first time I ever got to ask myself, what do you want? Mm. What do you want to do? Like, what do you, what goals do you have? What do you actually want to do? What do you like? And because I'd started doing some of the, the improv and had been writing a lot of the writing was stand up. I just realized, like, if I, like, I've always wanted this, I've always thought I could do this. I've always I always thought I could be a comedian. And it was the first time I really felt like I could go for it. And I was like, all right, because if I go get a job, if I, like, go survive for a little while, I'm going to be in 10. Ten years are going to disappear like that again because you're going to dive into some other job, other career, and you're never going to do this. And right now you have nothing else to do. So I went for it and I packed up the bags and I spent about five months on the road doing comedy and then made my way out here to San Diego. And, uh, that was coming up on nine years ago now. Wow! So it was just a kind of like, it was this very strange moment that all these things kind of happened at once that led me to ask myself for the first time, what do I want? And then I went for it.
0: That's interesting because you had success because that's an interesting take on success. And I think it's a real thing—the fear of being successful, right? So your fear was I—I I went up on stage. You may have thought that you know it was you're going to not going to say bomb, but you want to get as many laughs as you want to get, right? Yeah, but it's and your then, first
2: time. You're just terrified. You're exactly, just terrified.
0: Exactly. And I want to I want to I want to uh, you know pick your brain about that too. Like, what is that feeling like on the stage? your first time, and you're literally there to make a group of strangers laugh. Um, well, but <laughs> And the, the, the compound question to that is, at, after you, you explained that, is what made you, what gave you the courage, you know, years later to say, okay, what do I want? I want to do this. And then how did you go about putting the work in to become this, the success you are today?
2: So to answer the first one, it was terrifying from the standpoint of, of, I you know, I I was always like I, I did a lot of performances as a kid. Like I was in some local theater stuff. And technically, if you count it, the first time I ever like did stand up, I was in seventh grade, and I did like five minutes at some assembly. And <laughs> um, and so I, I was always that kid. I was always the funny kid. I think I, I just I think the real thing is I'm the youngest of three boys. Uh, you know, a family of five people, and I, and I, I realized this later in life. There's a lot of like youngest kids stuff. I've I've realized like, like it, it, statistically, if a comedian has siblings, they are the youngest, and I think it makes really? total sense. Yeah, I think it makes total sense because when you're the youngest, nobody cares what you have to say. <laughs> nobody cares to give you a moment to say your piece. Nobody. So one, you have to learn timing. Timing is like you got to know exactly when. Now I can say something like you got to wait for that one perfect beat to say the thing, to get everyone's attention and you better be entertaining or funny if you want them to actually hear it. (laughs) I think it's literally training of like, I need to know I have to have really good timing and I need to be very concise and specific in how I word things. Because if I don't, I'm I'm not going to get the things, my ideas across or the things I want or what, you know? So I think that was a huge part of it. It's just my whole life. Just learning that like how to speak, I said the time, like I always feel like when I was, especially when I was younger, a skill I had was I could say the most inappropriate thing at the exact right time to not get in trouble. (laughs) Whether I was was with my parents or in class, like I I am shocked at some of the things I got away with in school (laughs) saying to my teachers because they can't really punish you if they're laughing. So and I think that, again, that train that like youngest kid training of like you only have a sliver. And if you're going to put some information in there, it better be good and it better be easily received and like appreciated. So I think that was the training. And then it took it took when I was in college having a rough time. I went to a therapist. I was suffering from some depression and I was talking to a therapist and I really that really was helpful. And she was the one that I think probably planted the seed of like, what do you want? 10 year, gosh, yeah, at least 10 years before I ever actually asked myself. But she was one the like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I always, I always kind of liked comedy. She was like, okay. And she forced me to do it. She said, you know, you have three months. You need to find an open mic and sign up and put your name on the list three months from now. And between now and then, you have to write jokes. And, you, when you, you know, you're going to do this. And she forced it. And I'm thrilled that she did because it, it opened up, even though it happened and I was scared and I, and I didn't go back for 10 years. She opened that door and I got to experience it. And it was terrifying. And I, I mean, on the way there, I was all I was really nervous. And I was like jittery. So I had a couple of drinks, <laughs> which I don't I don't recommend anymore. Actually, I don't think you should if you have to drink to do it. And I think that goes for anything. If you have to drink to do something, there's a problem. Like you, you, are not willing to face the, the, the discomfort. And I think, I think this is a pretty broad thing and we all notice whether it's business or personal, like growth doesn't happen without discomfort. So if you've got to numb it and I get it and I I have friends that, that, you know, they, they're really talented comics and they can't go up without a beer or two. And that I remember seeing that and specifically being like, I'm not going to do that because that's terrifying to me because that's literally starting a habit. If you can't go on stage without the thing. That's a habit in creation. So I made a, a, a choice very early on not to, but. So I'd like to ask you a question. Yeah. Did about... I answer everything? <laughs> I went on for a while. No, you did, you did. No, I'll you did, it. you did. OK, <clears throat> so
1: you're up on stage that first time. Yeah, it goes well. You are then struck with this fear. Did you ever have any time to reflect upon the cause of that fear and where it might have come from? Because there is some some conventional thought that there are people that I don't want to call it like have a self-defeating
2: type mentality, but oh, I have that sh- uh, first. Okay. Sure. And I think a lot of comics do. I think I think a lot of people do what, it's, it. What it's like they're like some version of like imposter syndrome. And I feel that way all the time, like it, it's you know, you guys asked me to come do a podcast about my success, right? I don't, I feel, it's odd. I have a daughter now. I have a three-year-old daughter. And that changed my entire perspective. Because now it's like the imposter syndrome is less, it's, it's easy to feel that way. Let me think how I want to word this. It's easy to feel that way or have your brain throw that out there like, you know, oh, you won that thing. You didn't really deserve it. The other guy was better. He had a bad night or like, you know, you got lucky or something like I looked at the squash thing. I got lucky. I got lucky. I didn't do anything besides comedy and like go to a club and show up. I mean, somebody gave me an opportunity and I I I, I performed when they gave me the chance to be in the ad like I did the job. So, so there's part of me that's very proud of that. But when people are like, how'd you, you know, how'd you do it? And you worked so hard. And I'm like, actually, I just went down and I did what I was doing anyways. And somebody offered this to me. And that sounds, it sounds a lot where I'm like taking all the, like the credit away from myself. And I do give myself credit, but I only, I really give it to the point of like, when the opportunity arises, you better show up. That's the hard Mm. part. Like like you can put yourself out there. And I know I know a number of comics that are incredibly talented comedians that didn't get a break. I got a break. Somebody saw me and liked what they saw and gave me a chance. And thank God I had the skills to do the job when they asked me to. And now we're here. And now I am, you know, I'm successful, as you guys put it, (laughs) and I'm doing fine. And we're building new new relationships with new clients and we're you know working with other people and I'm doing the writing on the side and I'm just still doing comedy and I get to raise my daughter. Like that's the most, like, I'm not rich. I live in a, I mean, I'm in California, man. I, I live in a 298 square foot studio apartment. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like if that's success and I love it that it's decorated like a kindergarten classroom, that's success. Cause I got a kid and in my mind, this is all about her and, and I'm, I'm thrilled with the success that I have, but it's not like I'm not balling out. Like I got, <laughs> Mm. I'm driving my 2006 Toyota Tacoma. Like I'm still just keeping the head down, grinding. Like things are good. We're building. We're growing. But I think I listened to your last. What was his name? Robert Leteria. Leteria. The the photographer. That episode, and I loved what he said. Where he was like, you know, success is what you want it to be. It's 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 not Lamborghinis and cars and all that. Like that's just. That's a fountain, man. That's just a, an expression of wealth, you know, like success mm-hmm. to me now. It, and it's changed a lot as I've gotten older. Is like now it's like, you know what? My daughter, you guys will love this because you're investment guys. That's all I'll say. Uh, my, daughter <laughs> <max> out, my, <laughs> my daughter has a maxed out Roth IRA. She's three and a half years old because she works for my company as an actress because she's a little mm-hmm. Cutie little kid. And I found a way, like, that's how I look at my success is like, what am I putting in place now? Driving my 2006 Toyota Tacoma and living in a 300 square foot studio apartment. It is by the beach. That's why it's down, it's seven Mm. minutes from the beach. That's why, but it costs more than my house did in Florida. Like, you know, so, but it's like, why am I doing these things? And what is success? Well, success is creating the future for her. And that's where I feel like I'm like, I'm. I'm really proud of myself in that, of the fact that, like, my daughter's good. We're, we're, we're creating a future for her, you know, whether it's a college fund and her Roth IRA maxing out every year. I'm like, you know, that's, I, that's the success that I'm, I'm into. And, like, and, and it's allowed me, like, right now I'm sitting in my new podcast studio. I have an office. And, that, like, these little things, these little accomplishments and the things that we're building have allowed me to create a world where I can create more. So it's like I'm improving my space to allow me to to do, to put out more content, to put out more of myself, to be more creative and more comfortable to be creative. And I think and that's like that's I'm, I'm smiling from ear to ear every day when I wake up in my kindergarten classroom and come to my office. To like, you know, write more things and talk to my friends and be like, all right, we got, you know, somebody wants a script for this or, hey, we should punch that up or just write and listen in the old sets and writing notes for new jokes. And and uh, that's the kind of that's like the one thing I really want to pass to my daughter is like create a space for you to succeed. Mm -hmm. And figuring out what that is, is huge. That was the one thing it took me a very long time to figure out, like, what do I actually need to produce? Because I'm very much a guy like I had this podcast gear, I've had this mic for two years, and I wasn't using it because, like, oh, I gotta like get it out, and I gotta clamp it to the table, and then I gotta pull the board out and plug things in. It. <laughs> guess what? I never did it. If I can't walk in and press the button and go when the mood hits, I, I'm not gonna create. So I had to learn. Like, what do I need to really maximize my creative output? James, in that you, building the space.
0: You said something profound. I actually want to give you credit. I think it's a very it's a very important point for our audience to listen to what you said earlier about, you know, the look component of the Dr. Squatch commercials, which again has blown up, but you said you did in my eyes, when I heard you talk, you did a couple of things. The first thing you showed up. Second thing you were doing exactly what you wanted to do. Most people like you said, and I think everybody go, even successful people go through this. They know what they want to do, or they know what they should be doing, but they're not doing it because, like you said, they haven't created the space for it, or it's not. They, they figure it's it's not it's not enough time, or like, what's the point?
2: And it's oh, terrifying. It it's is terrifying. very, There's it's what very terrible. What you want, one
0: hundred percent. But failure is a very key component to growth, right? You can only All the way to the top
2: all the way to the top.
0: My whole point, right? So I think your success, even though like you were, it's a, a in my mind when I look at it, and I could be wrong, but just listen to what you were saying. You're doing exactly what you were what you wanted to do because you had the courage to do what you were wanting to do. You were refining your you're refining your um, your skill set to when you, it was time for you to perform, when you were tapped on the shoulder, you did well enough for them to say, hey, that's our guy.
2: Yeah, so let's keep going. Yeah. That
0: was, that's 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 the entire point. I want an audience to, to, to really hear that because you don't get the opportunity to succeed at what you want to succeed at if you're not doing what you want to do, right? Mm. And I think
2: that's such a terrifying, like, and I think this is part of the reason why that first time I went up, I didn't go up for 10 more years is because I found it interesting when I left Florida and uh, I, I like kind of spent the last month saying goodbye to all my, I'd lived there for 10 years. I would built a life there and like my neighbors, my friends, uh, coworkers, colleagues, things like that. And I remember I kind of spent the last month t- you know, saying goodbye to people. Cause I knew like I'm moving to San Diego. Like I'm, I'm going to go try this comedy thing. And I was shocked at how many people were like, that's so brave of you. It's so brave. Mm. And and I was scared, but I also had nothing to lose. Like I did, again, I was in that place of like I don't owe anybody anything besides Citibank. Uh, <laughs> besides a bunch of credit card debt, there were the no people. But I had no assets. I had a, a truck from 2006. Like, what are they going to do? So, um, it was for me. It was like I have nothing to lose. I might as well try this thing that I want to do. Absolutely. And it, but the people like uh, my friends and the people, when I tell them like, I'm going to you know I'm gonna go on the road for five months, I'm going to hit all these things. I got a, an improv festival I'm doing in New York. Then I'm doing a summer program, an improv program in Chicago for five weeks. Then I'm going to make my way to San Diego. They're like That's so brave. You're going for it. And I always I didn't like it. I didn't like the way it felt when they said, oh, you're so brave, because I was like, you're making it sound like you can't do this. You're making it sound. You're putting it on me that I'm like, I have some level of, I'm going to say braveness, but it's not the right word. Like I have some level of confidence in what I'm doing that I'm just going for it. And like, you're seeing me and being like, wow, I wish I could. No, you can't. It's one step. And and it's terrifying to look in a direction that you want to go and you see what it could be. And it's terrifying. And I even look at that now. I look at that with the commercials. I look at that with my comedy of like, it's, You see what's possible because we see all the really successful people, but we don't see the thousands of people. There are thousands of comedians that barely make a living. And and there's a tiny group that are incredibly successful. And those are the only ones we see. So in our mind, it's like, well, if I go do this, I got to get to that. Well, how do I even get to that? And I remember early on in comedy, my family being like, why aren't you in why aren't you in L.A.? Why aren't you knocking on, you know, talent agents doors? And why aren't you calling Saturday Night Live every day telling them you want to be on the show? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's not how any of this works, for one. And I, <laughs> and I, said, you know, I said, there are there's such a spectrum, especially in the comedy world. There are comedians in this country that make a quarter million dollars a year and you will never know their name. And they will never be on TV and they will never be too famous to take their kids anywhere. And they make a great living. Now they're not, they're not making Seinfeld money. They're not not making Kevin Hart money. They're not, you know, millions and millions, Joe Rogan, you know what? None of that. But you know what? A quarter million dollars a year with being a, telling jokes and hanging out with your kids and, and having a life that's not compromised by the celebrity and all that. like that's success, that's a hell of a good time. I would sign up for that any day. Like, this is the path that I'm on now because it just happened. And there's, like, a little bit of fame, and that's still weird for me, like, to be in Vaughn buying diapers with my daughter. And there's, like, two college dudes that are like, you're the the scratch guy. I'm like, good to see you. Glad you like it. Buy diapers with my kid. Like, have a good day. You know? I'm still learning. But that's the thing. Is like, you don't – it's not the whole – When I told people what I was doing, I think they saw like the whole thing and they're like, that's so brave. I'm like, no, no, it takes one decision. It's one step in that direction. And if you keep taking one step and it's like you said, like you show up, you take one step in that direction, doing the thing you want to do. And the next day you take the next step and the next day you take the next step. And then two weeks later, you're going to get knocked five steps back and you just (laughs) get up and keep taking steps. It's all one step at a time. And if you look at it like that, it's much more easy to manage in your head. And it's not that's, I think, the part of where I'm like, you don't have to be that brave. You don't have to be superhuman. You just have to decide that, like, I want it. I want to try. So
1: I'd like to ask you a question. So that philosophy got you to where you are now. Mm -hmm. Is your philosophy evolving in any way or what? struggles are you currently trying to overcome in this evolution of your philosophy like cutting edge of your mind right now where are you at where are we going now in the future
2: well I mean I've had you know this the commercials have done well and and I come I work with Squatch on a monthly basis I'm in communication with them constantly like we are we have more on the like we have exciting things that are like on the horizon right now and and then even now working with discount tire which is a totally different concept like you know, Squatch was a startup that's doing well. Discount tires is like five billion dollars. Like that's like craziness where that could go if that was successful. And I hope it is. And and it's been a fun learning experience because you know when you're 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 going guerrilla style with Doctor Squatch. You know we're you know when we shot that first one, it was five people in the backyard of an Airbnb going, "I hope this works." And then it did. <laughs> right? And now we're doing like bigger things, and we like they realize like what we can do, and we, you know if if. We got stuff coming out like like if you've seen the Squatch ads, you know, Mike, the hunky guy, Mike Langsdale, really talented guy, sweetheart. He and I, it's funny, we, we didn't know each other. We did that first ad. We realized we lived like seven blocks from each other <laughs> and we become friends. We become close. And it's the kind of thing we're like, now he's getting the shine. Like he's he's a great actor. Like he's he's learning how to do things like he was just a guy that somebody knew. Again, somebody just uh, was a friend of his in high school. And was like, hey, we need a, you look like you're working out a lot, man. We need a, we need a hunk on this shoot. And now he's doing these things and like, he's getting lines like, and it's like growing. And it's the kind of thing where I don't, there's all this stuff and it gets, it does get a little overwhelming of like, well, what could this be? What's your next step? And you start looking at like career wise and you start trying to path, not path, but like, like. Like, look for other examples of like, how do you do this? What's the next step? Are you going to try to get, you know, like like friends or family will be like, are you going to move to L.A.? Are you going to get on movies? I'm like, I I have no idea. I have no right now. I'm fine. If this was the rest of my life, I am fine. I get to raise my kid like when I have my daughter. You know, that that 50 percent of the time that I have my daughter, my job is being a dad. And that's the most successful thing I've ever heard of is I have like, I might have to take a call or two those days that I have my dad, my dad, those days that I, that I get (laughs) to be a dad. Um, But like just getting to to be there with her is the most, it's the greatest job I've ever had. And I love it. And then, and that's the thing is like when I don't have her like today, I'm going to be at the office till nine o'clock tonight. I'm still organizing things. I got script ideas. I got things I need to flush out. I've got projects that are coming up. I've got writers I need to manage about, you know, another project we're working on. So I'm running my business, but I'm also in this fortunate place that, that is really the most successful part of it. where I feel like when I have my kid, that's it. It's just me and her spending time, learning things, going on adventures, going to the beach, going to the park, going, you know, and that's, I look back at my dad. My dad was, was a successful small business owner in the Keys, but the truth is he was busy. I didn't see a lot of my dad. I got one football game a year out of my dad because, one, it wasn't really his thing, and, two, he was busy. I mean, he was at the office on Saturday till 11 o'clock at night because he was running you know, this, this, this small company, and I looked at that, and I, and I didn't know it at the time. I just thought that's what dads did. But now that I am a dad, and I realize, like, no, like you have the opportunity to spend when you have your daughter from the morning you wake up to the morning to to the till you go to bed, you just get to be dad. You just get to maximize that time with her and, and maximize those experiences and just you know read all the books. And you want to color for an hour? We're coloring for an hour. My dad didn't sit and color for an hour. He couldn't. And that that's the real success I feel like I found is I found a way to create this life where I get to be a dad. And the rest I of the time, we can, you know, write jokes and be silly. It's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good.
0: <laughs> it, it, you sound You sound like you're you living life for sure. Um, and I'm glad that you, you, you've been able to define your own definition of what success is to you. Um, when, it, when it comes to, okay, <clears throat> let's just say a young, a young comedian or somebody aspiring to be a comedian wants to go down this journey and says, you know, I love what James said. What advice would you give that person to have the courage enough to just go after it, right? Despite of what people may say, but just despite of, you know, the failures that they're, you know, going to yeah. have, because this is a part of the journey. What advice yeah. would, would you give that comedian listening right now? I th-
2: and I think this goes for anything. I don't, I, but, I mean, if we're using the comedian specific, but I, I, I think it's easy For people to take like, well, that was what a comedian should do. I said, this is anything. It's again, take the first step. What is it? If you're a comic, go sign up for an open mic. Write jokes. Write write one joke a day. I mean, and I don't even do that. I mean, that's I have a very strange writing style where all of a sudden I'll have a day where I write 10 ideas and then I will have a week go by and I didn't write anything. You know, but Mm -hmm. it's about get it's comedy is about getting up. Sign up for the open mic, go the next night, find every open every right now. Comedy, there's a boom, especially with things opening back up. Every every city has some type of comedy scene. You can find open mics everywhere. And it's the kind of thing you just, you know, Google, you know, open mics in my city. Find them. Sign up. Go be horrible. You're horrible. (laughs) I'm horrible. I'm eight years in and I'm barely figuring it out. Like you're horrible. Go put in your 10,000 hours. That's what it takes. And don't, like you said, fail. Embrace the fail. The more comfortable you get failing, the more comfortable you'll be at everything. <laughs> fail, you know, I mean, it's, it's I think it was, um, I think it was Bill Hicks that said this, who, who was a, a famous comedian uh, that we lost uh, in the 90s. But I think, I think his quote was, show me a comic that's bombed 500 times. And I'll show you a good comic.
1: Hmm.
2: Mm. And that's it. Like bombing is you. And this goes for I think this goes for everything. You learn more from the failures than this. Like the great set. You learn nothing. Not really. You might have written. You might have been in the flow. It might have felt really good. I did a set last night and I had I did almost all. I think I did about 15 minutes and half of it was just brand new stuff. And it was at a it was like at a bar show, so it was pretty relaxed. It was a chill environment. It wasn't like a Friday night at a club where I'm like, I got to do my job. These people paid money to see a show. Like that, this was like it's it's a it's a Wednesday. I can be a little little more loose. I can just kind of play with the ideas and see what happens with these new jokes. And I had a, a like a three minute flow. That just like I kind of started with the idea I had and I played with it and somebody said something in the audience and my brain just snapped on it. And it was like perfect, great comeback. And it it wasn't like a comeback. It wasn't negative, but it was like the perfect tag to what they said and got a big laugh. And then this thing happened. And like that, I I was I was able because I wasn't afraid to fail. I was able to be free. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes, you want to be a photographer, go get the camera, start pointing at stuff and hitting the shutter. And take a ton of horrible photos. And now with digital, you can. But it's the kind of thing where like that's what it takes. You wanna be you wanna be you wanna write movies? Write a bunch of horrible scripts. That's what it takes. You know? You it's it's and I think I mean you, you guys are in finance. I'm I'm sure in that thing, like you need to don't put money behind it, maybe, but you need to choose like look at the things and, and study businesses and study their books and see, you know, what is um Oh, I was almost going to do it. I read, I read, uh, I read Warren oh. Buffett's book, and I was almost going to use intri- you know, st- figure out their intrinsic values. If I knew, what it actually meant, Or how worth. Um, we are not permitted to discuss intrinsic
1: value on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's right. It's over. I don't. I it's a vocabulary word at this point for me. I don't know what it means. Um, but that's. I mean, whatever you're doing, take that step. It doesn't. Don't. The, if, if you're worried. And it's so easy to say, like, if you're worried about failing or the success of it, you know, don't be. But it's like your goal is to be good at something. And that means you care. And that's why like, this ties into so many people ask, like, comics, like, aren't you nervous before you go up? And I'm nervous before I go up every single time. A little. The exact right amount. Depends on the show. Last night, less nervous, but still nervous because it's all new material I'm going to try. What if it's all horrible? There goes everything I wrote this week. Um, on a, on like a, a, a big show and opportunity show. Like I've, I've been in a few festivals and I've done a few competitions and that's where you're nervous because like, what if this is, you know, I know these jokes work. I've been working on this 20 minute set for five years. This is like the best 20 minutes. If this is like, if the crowd's in the right place and I'm in the right place, I can just Crush for 20 minutes. I can just rapid fire these jokes at their faces and they won't even know what hit them. And this will like, I could, oh, I can win this competition. But also, what if there's one extra second of awkward silence at the beginning? What if the first joke doesn't hit? What if that's exactly when they drop the checks at the table and it throws everything? Like, there's so many variables that can mess you up. Don't worry. It's, not, it's out of your hands. It's all you can do is show up and do the job you're here to do to the best of your abilities. And when it goes bad, go, what, what happened? Okay, that happened. There was a weird thing. And then, oh, I, the mic stand messed up. And I spent too much time talking about it instead of telling jokes. Okay, I learned. You know, oh, I saw that the waitresses were coming out and starting to drop checks. Well, maybe that wasn't the time to hit them with the rapid fire stuff. Maybe you you actually slow your pace down a little. And let those checks kind of get worked out and realize that, like, I'm not going to get laughs right now. That's all right. They're doing stuff. They're all trying to do math. And they've had three <laughs> things. Like, this isn't, this isn't, so it's, it's you just put one, front, one foot in front of the other. That's that's the key to, I think, everything, right? I mean, it's 100%. I was thinking about something you said. Did you
1: ever see the uh, recording of when Bill Burr was doing some type of stand-up? In oh, California? in New York? Yeah.
2: The one, like the Bill Burr clip, the one that made him famous. That's what Bill Burr. That's Bill Burr's. That's how, why he is who he is now, because of that seven minute video of him in in uh, was it in, in Philly? Philly where he, he had, was just like he was in Philly and he was just just uh, I don't know what, what whether we can he cut was ripping he was, into him. Yeah, he was just <laughs> ripping the the Philadelphia people's <laughs> fans apart. And at first, yeah, because this is a they were being or something. This was like a huge. Yeah. Like, Tens of thousands of people. And he's on this Mm -hmm. stage in the middle of the day. Like everything about this story is horrible for comedy. Daytime, huge outdoor venue, tens of thousands. Like, and he's up there and he just starts reaming into about being horrible fans, having horrible teams. And they hate him. They're booing him. And he literally in seven minutes times, because he doesn't care what they're doing. He doesn't, (laughs) he doesn't care. Again, he's been (laughs) tens of thousands of hours. He's been on stage tens of thousands of times. And at this point, he's like, I, I'm not, you, like, I'm you, you guys can't phase me. I'm here to do what I got to do. They're paying me to do seven minutes. And I got three more to go. I don't care. <laughs> <boring>. <laughs> and in that seven minute period, though, he literally attacked them, lost them, got booed, and then slowly won them back and had the entire crowd loving him by the end. Right. And that's that. Right. That's, that's a metaphor for everything. That's you, it doesn't matter what's happening right now. It doesn't matter how the first thing went. It doesn't matter how the second thing went. Unless there's only 10 things, it doesn't matter how the 10th thing went because there's, there's more. There's always more. Tomorrow is the next day. Tomorrow is another day to fail or succeed, and both are valuable. So have at it. And that's the thing is like, if you don't stop, you will get better at the skill you do if you put the time in. Absolutely. A,
1: there's a lyric from one of my favorite bands, Third Eye Blind. Every moment of your life is a chance to get it right.
2: That's, Every moment. That should be on a – yeah, that's that's a cookie. That's a fortune cookie right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's
2: good stuff. 100%. What,
0: what is – I'm just very curious because I've always thought comedy was – is amazing because you again you're you're coming up with this material m- material and you're trying to get out on complete strangers and you hoping that what is the creative process like Where do you gain your inspiration from like how is that whole thing i mean and
2: i then- think that's i think that's different for everyone like seinfeld sits down at a desk and he puts in hours a day like a job and he's done that since the beginning and that's what works for seinfeld um i i should i tell myself I should do that more I tell myself I should have an hour a day on the calendar to to you know just you know flush out old bits, flush out new bits, just contemplate ideas or whatever uh I don't do that, but I always have like it's in my pocket right now I always have a notebook just an old a moleskin notebook i've got i don't know at this point over a hundred of these um that are just filled with ideas just things that i thought of. And then, you know what's funny? Is I started doing this and I realized this actually helped me in general, not just comedy wise. When I had somewhere, and a lot of people use their phones, but I like the analog ver I don't know why, but I like writing. But I realized that once I had a notebook with me, and I've literally had a notebook with me every day for 10 years now. Oh, nine, nine years. And I've realized I'm more organized in general. I have like I use the front for jokes. I start at the front. The front is always jokes. And the back is always like I, like a grocery list or things I need to do or something that somebody needs me to drop off or whatever, you know, like, Oh, a show's going to come up or, Oh, I got to reach out to that person. Or this is just something you need to, to remember about something that's totally not related to comedy, but just having this, I don't know. It just made me a more organized person, a more punctual person, but it's like, I'll just be, what was the last thing I wrote? Let's figure it out. I'll tell you how it came about. Um, Uh, let's see. And you know, what's funny is most of this, not that funny. (laughs) (laughs) I write like it's, this is, this statistic is pretty accurate of everything I write down in this book. So this is 64 pages front and back. So 128 pages, um, of this 10% hits the stage of that. Hmm. 1% works. Oh, wow. That's how much spaghetti you got to throw at the wall. To get it to work, to get the winners, you know, you got you got to like I said, you got to tell you got to write a lot of bad jokes to get some good Mm -hmm. jokes. And as you, you know, I'm nine years, I'm better at it now. My percentage is probably a little better than it was when I started, but it takes a lot. You got to have a lot of ideas, and that's why also like you go back through your old notebooks because now you're better at turning things into jokes. I'm nine years, Mm -hmm. you know, hundreds of jokes past, you know, of writing where when i wrote that first thing down at year two i was like hey i never really knew what to do with that but now i can look at it and be like oh, i know exactly what to do with that now i know exactly where that would fit you know what i have another bit and that would fit perfectly right here which could lead into this bit and then i got a tag for that which would call back to this and like that's you know you start doing that but how i write is usually let's see what was the last one i wrote I'm excited. Uh, literally, this is the last thing I wrote. I've had hey, dad bod exclusive. my whole life. Yeah, exclusive. This is this is the note I wrote myself. I've had dad bod my whole life. I've always been a little chubby, chubby. Always in XL and shopping in the husky section. That's not funny. That's kind of sad, actually. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> but I was literally like, right now, I'm I'm in like a little chubby state for myself, and uh, and I've noticed that I've had to. I have like a section of of clothes. Uh, in my closet that I can't wear because they're too tight the shirt. Like I, I, like I bumped up the XLs again and I'm like, God damn, you know, all right, I guess I'm wearing extra largest. Like <laughs> it was just an idea I had. And, I re- and, and something came up about dad, bod. I was like, you know what? That's funny. Cause like, I've always been the Husky kid. I've, uh, and, and last night I tried that on stage and the tag that actually got the laugh was like, I was born to be a father because I've had dad bod my whole life. <laughs> That's sort of got a laugh. And so, but that's the thing. It's like, you just have some idea and it made you, and and this is for me. I mean, it made me chuckle inside. There was some, some angle there and I wrote it down. And then I usually tend to flush stuff like that out on stage where other guys, they don't go on stage unless they know exactly what every single word Seinfeld doesn't flush anything out on stage. He knows exactly what word is going to be said before he goes up where I'm not, I'm totally different. I'm, I'm just a guy that like, I have an idea. We'll go see what happens. Let's see if this works. Yeah, exactly. Let's see if this works. <laughs> it's probably not gonna. So,
1: so why don't you catch our listeners up on what you're working on now? And also if they wanted to, to follow your work, where can they find you?
2: The best place to find me is at um, my website, James Schrader.com. Um, if you just Google James Schrader, it'll pop up. Um, Things I'm working on now, we have a a number of projects with Squatch that are really exciting that we've been filming and getting ready to film. Those are going to be coming out in the next few months. Um, Discount Tire has been launching some stuff, so you'll see my face talking about tires and and, uh, and Discount Tire. Um, I personally, I'm launching uh, my web, my podcast soon. I don't know when that's I'm I'm still a procrastinator because I don't like doing like I'm a, I'm an odd perfectionist for telling a lot of bad jokes. I'm still like a perfectionist in a, in a lot of ways where I've had a podcast. I've recorded like 10 episodes over the past four years. None of them are released because I'm like, yeah, I, don't, you know, I don't have intro music yet. You know, you can't have a podcast without good intro music. So uh, but I'm like I said, I'm creating this place for me to put content out and create more content. So uh, my podcast studio will be finished this week. We're hanging the soundboards on the walls, and uh, and I've got a number of things. I'm hoping to start doing a lot more TikToks and things like that. So uh, I don't, you know, if you like my vibe and if you like the Squatch ads. Go to my website, put your email in. I post up, you know, I'm I'm trying to put a tour together for next year just because with everything, everything's opening back up now. But with everything going on, I'm like taking my time to get back on stage and and get back into it. But, um, yeah, if you like my vibe, you like my stuff and what you've seen me in the ads and the silliness that we do, yeah, put your email in on my website. I'll keep you up to date on the things that are coming up and uh, where I'll be. And uh, I'm just hoping to keep doing this stuff. Like, um, I'm enjoying being a dad Making commercials, telling jokes at night. Life is good. I
0: love that. So James, bottom line of success, go.
2: Bottom line of success. There is no actual definition. Create your own. Success is last night, I tried out seven new jokes. One of them worked. That's success. Put one foot in front of the other towards the direction you want to go, and eventually you will get somewhere and that's fine because most likely where you thought you wanted to go isn't where you're going to end up and isn't actually what will make you happy. So just start putting one foot in front of the other in the direction you want to go. And as long as you keep doing that, you will end up somewhere that you like. I love that. I love that. Love well,
0: it. Love it. Well, James, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk to awesome. some regular guys like, you know, Brian and I, <laughs> um, that's it. And we'll see you on next week. Thanks for listening to the Success Fundamentals Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review.